Welcome to the Dad Connection. Helping dads grow themselves so they can help grow their greatest asset on earth, their children. Now, here is your host of the Dad Connection, Keith Jowers. Well, hello everybody, this is Keith Jowers of Dads for Life, and this is Friday Night Live. This is the show where I come to you once a week and I bring you life situations. We talk about everything on this show, and we want to just uh, talk about a very serious subject tonight. And I have invited a special friend who's been very busy with life and job and his career and his ministry, everything he's doing. But we're going to talk about how do we cope with life causing frustrations tonight. And my dear friend, Sean Wyman, is an amazing young man that I met a few years ago, and I was very blessed to meet him by chance, so to speak. But yet, I think God had a different plan. We found out we're in the same career and profession of changing people's lives. But I, I just want to ask you a question before I let Sean just take over the, the mic here and tell you his story. And that is, have you ever been stuck in life? Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been depressed? Have you ever been just down and want to pull the plug on life? Have you ever been abused physically, emotionally? Have you ever been mentally abused? Have you ever been torn down or even maybe sexually abused? Those are the real problems of our world today. And it can cause trauma in our lives. You know, when my dad died as a young kid, I was actually feeling depressed at 12 and 13 years old. And I had nobody to talk to except my mom. But you know what? I had, went to her and told her I just was dealing with some stuff, and we just worked through it. So you've got to have somebody to talk to. I have felt compelled tonight to invite my friend Sean Wyman with us because I know what he's doing now. He don't just have a career and raising a family and, and dealing with life struggles all on his own. He's actually changing the world by what he's doing through his trauma organization that he's created and the whole movement process. I have this book right here called Let Go, The Movement Process that he said some special words to me in a few years ago. And I want to just talk to him tonight and ask him to speak to us and our what's on his heart about, well, the COVID thing without frustrations of not just that, but everything in life that he's been wanting to talk to people about all over the nation and the world. So my friend, Sean Wyman, welcome to the Dads for Life Friday Night Live Show. Good to see you again. Hey, th hey, good to see you, my friend. And thank you for calling me a young man. I appreciate <laughs> that, man. That gets me. You already are in my greatest graces already just for saying that, man. Thank you. Uh, well, Sean, I just want to invite you in. I know you've got an eight-step movement process. I want to go through those tonight. But I want you to sure. just, just take over the mic and tell us, you know, about Sean Wyman. Why did you start this? Wow. How you come? I know your story. And every time I no, hear I know you something new. You know, but yeah. I can tell you this, that I am so proud of you and God has had a plan for your life, my life, and, and had us working together and helping change a lot of people. So uh, I just want to kind of just hand you back the mic and we'll see where it goes. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So hello, everyone. My name is Sean Wyman. I am a father of three beautiful children, ages 22, 12, and I have a beautiful daughter now who is eight years old. So a uh, good mix of, uh, of different ages and uh, definitely keeps me on my toes. I've been married for 16 years to an amazing woman named Lynn Wyman. I am a 20-year law enforcement veteran, uh, an eight-year military veteran, and someone who has faced a lot of direct, indirect, vicarious trauma 
throughout my life. Uh, growing up, you know, like a lot of people, my life just wasn't easy. It wasn't simple for me. Uh, my dad left when I was born. I was mentally and physically abused from the age of seven to 10. I was one trigger pull away at the age of 10 of changing my life forever. And, uh, you know, I, I really always think about that moment now because I recognize how powerful that moment really was. Think about it. One trigger pull away from my life being totally different from what it is right now. And by the grace of God, I, I'm here before you to tell you that when you are in your darkest place where you feel you are all alone, don't fall for the devil's perception making you try to believe that you're all alone because God is always there. Whether you want him there or not, his presence is always there and it's always available if you ask for it. And, and I, it took me a long, 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 long time to learn that and understand that. But that being said, um, you know, through my teenage years, I went through group homes. I went through foster homes. When uh, I, you know, I went into the military, I almost faced a near-death experience. And, you know, all of these different things that happened to me um, created who I am today. And it's really important that we recognize that the, the challenges and the adversities that we face, they will make us or they will truly break us. And I love it when people tell me I can't, right? I hear that all the time. I can't forgive them for what they did. I can't ever let that go. I can't, I can't, I can't, right? And I challenge people with three simple letters, one simple word, and that is yet. Instead of saying I can't, say I can't yet, because you will be amazed what will happen, the mindset shift that will happen when you change your words from solidifying and just stopping something in motion and saying, I can't, to going, you know what? I can't forgive them yet, but I know that I need to. I know that at some point that moment's going to come where I'm going to need to do that because my life is more important than getting stuck in this one moment for the rest of my life and that creating uh, you know, the rest of my life. So it's really important to understand the movement process. And, and the movement process was a process that I learned after so much pain, so much agony, so much depression, so much time drinking from a bottle, so much time smoking cigarettes, so much time being angry and hurt and disappointed that I finally came to this realization that again, we can be broken or we can become unbreakable from the moments that we face. And for me, when I became a police officer at the age of 27, I hated my mother. I had never dealt with the fact that I almost shot my stepfather at the age of 10. I had never um, dealt with the abuse, the emotional, the mental, physical abuse directly to me and what I witnessed that happened to my mother for over three years and beyond for the next 30 years. I had, um, I was drinking full time, like I, every day. I was smoking cigarettes up to the point where I started the job. I um, was in this place where I had just divorced. I was $150,000 in debt and 
when you needed me to be at my best, I, that's what was showing up. When you were at your worst and I needed to be at my best, that was my best. And unfortunately, there's a lot of us that show up not really being our best because we think that we can just take this thing and, and, and put it in the back of our heads and forget about it. But you just can't do that. Our, our subconscious brain is too smart. And, and we, are, we are designed so uniquely that God just won't let that happen. He wants us to deal with our problems. He wants us to face our adversities. And he wants us to move forward in our life. And that's where I discovered what I call the movement process. The movement process is like Keith said, eight simple steps. It starts with your mindset. Changing I can't to I can't yet does amazing things because what it does is it opens you up to opportunity. Opportunities that have always been there yet you don't realize that they're there because you're not in the right mindset to realize that those things exist. So the mindset is the very first thing. When the mindset opens up, it creates opportunities. When those opportunities come, you begin to have a clear vision because you go, wow, I thought I was stuck, but now I see I'm not stuck. I can actually not only move, I can move forward out of this mess. So when you begin to get a clear vision and you get excited about that, you become empowered about that. So mindset, opportunity, vision, and empowerment. You have to be able to move before you can create movement. So if you don't have the right mindset to see the right opportunities, to have a clear vision and become empowered, you will never create the momentum to be able to really move. Momentum is action and motion that does not stop. It does not stop. Once you start, you don't stop. No matter what, even if it's a baby step, you keep taking that one step forward and you keep moving forward and you keep moving forward. Then education, not just books, reading the Bible, really getting to know yourself, educating yourself. Who are you really? What is your person? What do you define yourself as? What is your purpose in life? What does God really want to do through you? Right? Because when you get the right education, now you're ready for the navigation side, right? Where's my start point? Where's my end point? Oh, yeah, it looks really easy because you think it's a straight line asthma to your destination. But what happens when the obstacles come in? What happens when the challenges come in? What happens when you get triggered from your past? When someone triggers you or you do something that triggers yourself? How do you deal with those things? Do you go over them? Do you go around them? Do you have to go through them? How do you navigate yourself through that? But once you have those seven steps aligned, the transformation automatically happens. This transformation of becoming this I can't to I can't yet to look what I just did happens. And all of a sudden, everybody begins to realize there's something different about you. You're smiling now. You're happy more. Your marriage is more successful. You're having more opportunities than, I mean, why are you, now all of a sudden you become lucky? Why are you so lucky? It's not that you're lucky. It's that you chose a path. You challenged yourself. Instead of just staying in one place in adversity, 
you decided to move forward and turn that into opportunity, right? Preparation leads to preservation. Procrastination leads to devastation. Absolutely, Sean. I want to ask you a question, though. When you're talking about this movement process and you're at a position in your life where nothing's going right, you're ready to just walk out the door of your, of your marriage, you're ready to just walk out on your job, and you're ready to actually just maybe pull the trigger like we, you and I know in our profession mm -hmm. we've dealt with. So when you're at yeah. that point of despair, what should a person do? I feel like I know what they should do. I'd like to hear from your point because I've talked to people going through this COVID thing where they feel like this is the end, this is over and whatever. We know that's not the case. We are going through a new normal, whatever that may be, but I know it's not a time to give up, right, brother? Right, right. So just literally two days ago, uh, my daughter came in, uh, in contact with somebody that was positive COVID. So the whole family, I get pulled out of work. Um, you know, the whole family has to go get tested. So we're all sitting there, right? We could have sat there. We could be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But you know what we did? This is what we did. We said, you know what? What's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is that we get it. The worst case scenario is that we end up inside of our home as a family together with no interruptions for 14 days. Is that really that bad? Right? What's the worst case scenario? Now, for people that are in that moment of, of you know, just, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what to do. That's the easy way out. That's what the devil wants you to think, right? You've got to remember the devil's perception is not God's reality. God will never put us in a situation that he knows we cannot fight our way out of, right? But we have to be willing and able to do it. So when this whole COVID thing came, we prayed as a family. We said, God, we know we have no control over this. We are going to focus on what we can't control. We're going to stay strong. We all feel healthy. We're going to isolate ourselves. We're not going to come in contact with anybody for two days. We took our test, and we're just going to be patient, and we're going to trust in you. And that's exactly what we did, Keith. Today, my wife wakes me up. She's like, hey, great news. We're all negative. And we, you know, we, we, we gave thanks to God. We had a great breakfast, and we, we moved on. Mm. Well, you know, I've been, as we've discussed offline, I've been ill myself. And when I went for the test, it, you know, the, the two days actually turned into nine days of wait. And yes, I can say, well, you know, I, I could have sat there and been negative the whole time. But, you know, you want the answers. We want the answers to our problems. We want to get, get moving again. But there's some people just been stuck. And we've had a lot of home yeah. issues. You know, we've answered the calls. You go to the homes and they're fighting or whatever because they don't know how to relate to each other. So talk right. to us about that. When you're in the middle of a struggle, when you're in the middle of, of non-moving and you need to get moving again and you want to rebuild your relationship, you want to do these things, you want to get going again, how does one take that first step, Sean, to for that go, movement process to get going? Go back to the basics. Go right back to mindset because if you stopped, your mindset shifted. And if your mindset shifted, then you have to go back and you got to re and look, if you face trauma, right? If you face negative things, it's totally okay. It's part of life. Everything isn't happy and sunshine and rainbows, right? 
there are times where we are going to face adverse things. We are going to have sad times and we have to recognize that that's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to not be okay. Right. Um, less than a week ago, I go to a call. Um, a child has died literally in his mother's arms and they give me the baby and they ask me to bring this baby back to life. And I did everything in my power to try to bring this baby back to life. Did CPR, did CPR all the way to the ambulance, got him on the ambulance, got him to the hospital. But unfortunately, it was too late. Hmm. However, because of training, because of the, the understanding that I have to focus on what I can control and not what I can't, I know in my heart I did everything I could for that child. And I've done everything even after the fact for that family that I could possibly do to try to make the pain less for them, right? We get stuck because a lot of times we think that it was our fault that it didn't get fixed or it, it was our fault that, you know, it didn't work out the way we foresaw it was going to work out. Look, the truth is we are going to go through a lot of adverse things in our life. And there are some things that are going to go bad. There are some things we're going to have an idea. We're going to try to go after it. And it's not going to be the right idea, right? It's not about failing, right? It's about how many times you're willing to fail without giving up until you find the success, right? That's right. How many light bulbs does it take to create the one that works? Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison, right? Right. 10,000, 10,000. So how many times are we willing to fail at something but the basics, we go back to basics, Keith. We go back to the mindset and we go, what happened? Holy cow, what happened? I was in love with my wife. Everything was great. We were starting to progress. And then this happened. And it changed my mind shift. And I went back this direction. I got to go back. I got to fix that. Because look, if I go and I try to have a relationship with someone and I haven't fixed the relationship with myself, right? And my challenges and my problems and my trauma, which I, I walked around for 35 plus years thinking I could just go around. And as long as nobody knew what happened to me, it didn't matter. That's not the case because your trauma affects other people. Your trauma will affect your family. Your trauma will affect the people that you interact with, whether they're strangers or people that you're close and personal with. If you don't address your own issues, they will say something that will trigger you. You will say something that will trigger them. And at some point there will be a collision course. And a lot of times we don't even understand what happened or why it is happening the way it is. But I'm here to tell you, we have to address our own issues in order to be able to move forward in our life and improve our relationships. And we have to understand that just because you and I or two people disagree, that doesn't make you all right and them all right. People have been disagreeing for years and got along perfectly, you know, but all my You're friends right. don't think the same way I do about no. different situations. All right. We right. know that politically that friends can get really in a tangle war pretty quick over, over politics, mm -hmm. but you don't let those things affect the way you truly feel about somebody. You know, the, 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 uh, the, the Kenny Rogers song I heard recently about, you can't make old friends, you know, friendship is something that's been around for a long time. You have a friend for life. You don't let something so disagreeable tear you apart because 
Right. Both of you are going to be wrong in some area of life, you know? So when you do yeah. that, you have to come to that agreement that I got to move on. I got to forgive them if, if they've hurt me, whatever. Um, you know, because if you hold on to that unforgiveness, I mean, talk to us about that. What will that do to a person if you are unforgiving of someone? We know what it's doing in certain cities across our land today. You know, it's destroying mm -hmm. things. But I'm talking about the unforgiveness of that's embedded down inside for sometimes generationally. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I remember when I was um, when I was in my transitional phase, right? When I was recognizing that I had to go back and deal with my past. And there's a scripture that I actually wrote in my book. And it was uh, Colossians 3, 12, 13, 12 through 13. And this was a really powerful moment, right? We all have that aha moment where we, where we begin to realize that it's much bigger than just us. And we've been really selfish and it's time to let go of that selfishness so we can really become what God wants us to become. And that was that moment for me. I'm sitting at a church retreat. It's dark. I'm in this chapel. Um, the, um, I'm, I'm praying and I start opening my Bible and I open it to the scripture, Colossians 3, 12 through 13. And it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and a patience bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. That was my aha moment, Keith. That was when I recognized I had to go back. I had to forgive my mom. I had to forgive my stepfather. I had to forgive myself. For the way I had felt, the way I had thought, the way I had looked at things, because all of a sudden God opened the big picture up and said, look, this is so much bigger than you even realize. There's so much I want to do with you, but I can't do anything with you until you go back and you address your past. Mm -hmm. And in part of that, you have to forgive. You have to let go. Well, you're right. When we get in these arguments, we have to learn it's not about winning. It's not about losing, right? It's not about withdrawing. It's about maintaining the relationship, right? If we spend less time trying to figure out how to win the argument or feeling horrible because we felt like we gave up on the argument and we start focusing on the relationship, that's when real good things begin to happen. You know, you said you were, you've been married 20 years or we're celebrating 33 years and next month. And, uh, you know, you don't go through those many years of marriage without some kind of disagreement, <laughs> but you don't That's give right. up. And I saw a post here a while back that said, you know what, when, when the reason we've been married for 65 years, this couple, their philosophy on life was when something's broke, we don't throw it away. We just fix it. And that's what yeah. we have to do, right, Sean? We have to fix what hurts we have. Because if you're unforgiving of someone, that's not hurting them, is it? That's hurting you. <laughs> so, but sometimes it takes us through life. Sometimes we have to learn how to forgive because it benefits us. And I really think there's, there's something to that when God wants us to forgive, it's to benefit us, not necessarily the other person. So, yes. well, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, you are listening to my friend, Sean Wyman. Sean is a, a motivational speaker and author of the Let Go uh, book that he wrote called The Movement Process. 
And um, we're going to try to transition now into what he's doing for uh, first responders and this, his, his new baby that he's working with here. And so yeah. excited about that. And, and we would like to just kind of talk about that, Sean, because I know in, in you know, the mental health fitness of our first responders today, and that, and our, and our, that would include our, our medical professions now, my goodness. You know, I've seen some of their stories uh, privately and publicly and how they're dealing with this. And, and this is very stressful on us. So tell us a little bit about your new project going on. Absolutely, man. So, you know, as I healed myself and went through my own challenges, I began to um, see a difference in the way that I was interacting with people. And I began to recognize when people were traumatized. I began to learn about this process called trauma-informed care, which is real big in the um, social services network. But I began to apply it at work. And I began to see some really, really cool results and some really great opportunities to grow mentally and to understand, have a much better understanding of the social emotional aspect of what we do. And then I started doing research because I was like, okay, if I was gonna create a program on this, what problem would I be solving? So I started looking at problems in, in law enforcement and first responders, really law enforcement in the beginning, and suicide came up, right? Law enforcement suicide. And I began to look at law enforcement suicide, specifically in Florida, and I recognized we were in the top five back then for the last five years, now for the last six years, and we were in the top three across the country for the last four years. And I said, why? Why is this not a bigger issue? Why is high liability only focused towards driving, shooting, you know, defensive tactics, firearms, and defensive driving? Why, why, why is that? Why is mental fitness not up there as a high liability? And I studied it more and I looked at it and I began to realize, holy cow, we kill ourselves more than any of the other things we train for that could kill us. In other words, we train, we kill ourselves by our own hand more than anybody kills us with a firearm or we get in a traffic crash or we get into a fight and somebody kills us. We kill ourselves more than that. And that really bothered me as a trainer for the last 18 years in high liability I began to wonder, why isn't this a high liability? And I began to wonder, why don't we even talk about this? If we kill ourselves more than anybody else, why is this the most ignored topic in our industry? And then I studied firefighters and I found out firefighters were in the same boat. I found out EMS was in the same boat. I found out correction officers were in the same boat. I found out dispatchers were in the same boat. I found out the public safety industry was a very self-destructive industry. And I also discovered that the large majority of what we all train on is what we do less than 10% of our career, yet what we do 90% of the time dealing with the social emotional aspects of people, we unfortunately train on that less than 10% of our career. And I decided I wanted to change that. So I got with a good friend of mine named Dee over in Canada. Her and I wrote this book called Going Beyond the Call, Mental Health Fitness for Public Safety Professionals. We created a training program, and now we're out there trying to uh, get in front of these organizations, uh, government agencies, law enforcement agencies, uh, public safety organizations, and train on mental health fitness and why it's so important. Because I feel like the more we focus on this, 
the more we can reduce the suicides, the more we can reduce depression, the more we can reduce addiction, and the more we can reduce the divorce rate in our industry. Hmm. So is it, you've been doing this for how long now, Sean? Man, I've been working on, we worked on the book for about a year and a half. We launched it in December of 2019. We started getting really good traction, taught a few classes in the early 2020. And then of course COVID hit and that kind of hit the brakes. Um, and I think it's really important to, to say that uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, I'm not sure if you, if you remember David Grossman or not. He's a big time speaker, speaks on, you know, he had a book on killing um, and, and bulletproof mind. And, and, and he really focuses on the uh, science behind killing, right? So I went to Dave and I, I showed him this book when we were writing it and he agreed to write the foreword for it because he saw how important this book was. Matter of fact, he said, this is the most important work of your lifetime. You have to do this. If you don't do this, you're going to be making a huge mistake. I 100% will back you. So he wrote the foreword for it and helped us as we you know, launched our book. So you know, there's a huge need for this, especially with not, not just with COVID-19. Now we've got all the protests and the riots and the anti-government and defunding police and all the craziness that we're dealing with. We just 10 X the trauma mm -hmm. and, and, and in a moment, right? We 10 X the trauma from already what we were dealing with to multiplying that times 10 where it seems like the whole world is against us, even though I believe that also is the devil's perception and not really God's reality. But unfortunately, the minority is speaking a lot louder than the majority right now when it comes to um, the, uh, the appreciation and the need for uh, law enforcement, first responders, and of course, our public safety professionals in this moment that we're in right now in crisis. Well, you know, Sean, I mean, we we came on years ago and in our professions and I spent 18 years working in the school system and I, I had some disrespect occasionally but then you know it just seems like it's more prevalent today but I still believe you and I think alike on this that there's still believe there's a large amount of public that do respect our profession and do appreciate what Absolutely. we're doing and do not want us to be defunded across the land. Absolutely. I mean it is crazy Absolutely. to even think about that kind of, of uh, policy. But, you know, so you are actually, you can go to organizations and, and speak. If someone's listening to this today and says, man, I'd like to have Sean speak at our organization, how would they get in touch with you to be able to request you to do that? Because I know you're speaking at some groups. I am. I am. So if you, if it's for uh, first responders or public safety, they could go to gbtc911.com. And all my information, how to reach me and everything, you can contact me directly through there. And then, of course, if you go to SeanWyman.com, you can also connect with me there as well. Um, I'm also, you can Google me, and I'm pretty much on every social media platform, so you can, you can find me. I'm not, I'm not hard to, uh, to find. Or you can just email me at info at goingbeyondthecall.com. Okay, well, folks, you heard it right there that Sean is available to talk to organizations or public safety yes. about this, and he's starting to get more and more calls and uh, information requesting this. But, you know, we've been kind of put on a hold for now. For But I tell you, I still believe that what he's doing, whether it's the let go movement process, 
uh, this book right here, which you can get on Amazon, right, Sean? Yes, sir. Yeah. And yep. uh, you can find it at probably all the online bookstores there. It's definitely worth reading. Uh, if not for yourself, if you've got it all together, then uh, <laughs> ask yourself that again before you give the book away. But maybe buy one for yourself and somebody else that you know that might can get some benefit out of Sean's book. So, uh, but if you're also involved in the public safety arena, make sure you check out his, his work there. Sean, it has been a pleasure to have you on the Friday Night Live show tonight. I just felt like it was time. We, but um, Sean, yeah. so give us uh, your website once again, sir. Sure. So the uh, website's going to be for public safety first responders. It's gbtc911.com. And then for anybody else, you can go to goingbeyondthecall.com or you can go to seanwyman.com. Excellent. Well, you heard it right there, folks. And we're going to put that in the show notes as well. So you can look for that if awesome. you missed that. So, Sean, I'd like to just ask you to just, just give us some final thoughts on how do we bounce back once they once COVID is behind us now, because we know it's going to be behind us eventually, or at least it'll be out of the news as much as it's been. But once uh, families right. start putting pieces together, what advice would you have for them? I guess the most important thing is always remember, right? Focus on what you can control. Well, a lot of this stuff that's coming out from the media and all these other things, we can't control that. We can control what we're doing in our life. We can control what we're doing with our families. We can control how we're managing this. And remember that you are setting the example for your children as you do this. They are watching everything you do. My son watches me like a hawk to see how I'm going to act when something stressful happens. Am I going to lose it? Am I going to blow up? Am I going to, or, you know, how am I going to manage stress? How am I going to manage these different challenges? So remember, it's so much bigger than just you making a decision for your family. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's learning from it and everybody's growing from it. So focus on what you can control and not what you can't. Well, there there you have it. That's a good good way to end, I believe, because if you don't focus on what you can control, then you're going to be out of control on what really, you know, matters. And that's your, sometimes your family, we, we kind of get, we get caught up in the weeds sometimes and we don't think through the whole, whole situation. So, well, folks, you can right. listen to my friend, Sean Wyman, the author of Let Go, the movement process right here that you can get a little little book on Amazon or some of the other places you can go to, to, to get that book is definitely worth a reading. So I appreciate your brother for being with us. We have done it again. You know, I always say, Sean, that when, uh, when I'm talking to groups or I'm talking online and it comes to my thought is that there's two important days of a person's life. And that is the day we're born. And then there's the day that we find out why. And I believe that you found out why by doing the movement process because you have helped a lot of people move on. And that's what we need. Yes, to sir. Do. So thank you. Yeah. So folks, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for watching Friday Night Live here with my friend, Sean Wyman. You know how to get in touch with him. You can look forward in our show notes and we'll be back and see you again right here on Friday Night Live. This is Keith Jowers and my friend, Sean Wyman saying God bless you all. <laughs>